Kia ora, welcome back to Flying the Fern, powered by New Zealand Stories, Fernmark License Programme and produced by Raw Collective. This series is all about telling the real-life stories of well-known New Zealand businesses that carry the official Fernmark logo. We dig into how they came about, the challenges they've overcome, and their contribution to the reputation New Zealand businesses have around the world. Scully's is a natural apothecary range based just outside of Bulls in the central North Island with boutique products designed for bed, bath and home. It was founded in 1992 by Judy and Jerry Scully after being inspired by a recent visit to Tasmanian lavender fields. It was a real grassroots operation with friends and family helping them to plant the first 10,000 plants and Judy and Jerry home infusing lavender products over afternoon teas in their wool shed. Now they sell more than 180 products and export to the likes of Australia, China, the US and Europe. Key to their growth has been their commitment to natural products, environmental sustainability and corporate responsibility. They have obligated themselves to operate as ethically as possible and their story shows the opportunities this approach creates rather than the costs it involves. Enjoy. Now, first question to you both. What's the one thing that you would suggest that a visitor to New Zealand must do? You know, the number one thing that they should do? Uh, Come and see Scully's. (laughs) (laughs) New Zealand's got so many beautiful sights, but um, yeah, make sure you come and see our great walks and mountains. The Mount Ruapehu is only an hour and a half away from here in Bulls, so you can always pop down and see us and um, yeah, check out our store here. Fantastic. And the other thing, of course, to do in bulls is to go around and spot the bulls because I love when I drive through bulls that you've now got these actually life-size statues of massive beasts all around your town, which is super cool. Yeah, well, Sarah's dad actually, he imported them. Oh, really? He did, yes. And he's actually got one set aside because we're building a new factory in bulls here and um, he set one aside for us. So we're actually going to have one outside our new factory, which will be quite cool. So where is it at the moment? Is it just sitting in your garden at home sort of thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's sitting in Dad's wool shed. <laughs> oh, that must be quite weird in the middle of the night. Anyway, look, we're getting sidetracked. Stop sidetracking me. It's too oh. interesting. Now, you, Scully, started after being inspired in Tasmania, as I understand it, by lavender fields. Is that right? Tell me more about that. So my father's originally from Melbourne, and my mother went over there to visit his sister. And they went and saw the Tasmanian lavender farm. And then when she came back, she said to him, look, I think we've got the right soil, the right climate to plant it here. And so he said, okay, let's do it. They've just got that real Kiwi can-do sort of attitude that nothing would stop them and not scared of hard work. So I think we planted a thousand plants to start with and we got family and friends to, we all came and helped. Ended up having 10,000 plants yeah, so then mum was a huge gardener and a lovely old homestead and a big wool shed that opened out looking out to across the lavender plants and then out to native bush. And we opened it up for bus tours and um, did lunches and Devonshire teas and things and just had bus loads coming. And um, we used to hand pick all the lavender and that would go into, we then started making soaps out in the back sheds, literally the garage. Yeah, so we needed to sell something to all these people coming through. So, yeah, started making, started making, yes, soaps. Dad at the time was working at a delicatessen, managing a delicatessen in, at a supermarket in Palmerston yeah. North. And so he would bring home the yogurt tray 
you know, the trays that the yogurts would sit in, and that was our soap moulds. Oh, how fabulous. Yeah, mum had a book of aromatherapy recipes, and she just um, tweaked those and, yeah, made up all these different concoctions. I've often wondered, you see these pictures of beautiful lavender farms, and you know, in France and around the world, and, and look, do the people that work in a lavender orchard, if you call it that, are they just relaxed all the time and sort of chill? Oh, I don't know that it was relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that would come, you know, people would walk through, they were doing a tour or they're coming for a garden walk and they were relaxed. They were sitting around having cups of tea and or every year we would have a festival, then people would have drinks and, you know, it was hard to get rid of them at night. (laughs) (laughs) But they would say to us, oh, what a lovely job. But, um, you know, you're working in the height of summer, bent over, picking all this lavender. We didn't have a machine that did it, so we picked it all by hand. So, yeah, it was was pretty hard work, yeah. Wow, and you had a bit of an army to help you out by the sound of it, lots of friends and family and volunteers. and yeah. We're so grateful to, um, well, I'm sure mum and dad were so grateful to everyone that came and helped. But, you know, it was the fun part was that, you know, we'd all work really hard during the day, but then we'd all have fun later on and relax and have your drinks and, yeah. Nice. That's sort of a tradition, isn't it, with um, orchardists and growers and people like that. They work extremely hard, but then they have a kind of an end of harvest festival or, you know, a drinking or breaking of the casks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. No, we had a lot of fun times and it's, yeah, it's nice to have all those great memories with our family. But from there it's grown and your product range has grown along with it. So tell us about that sort of going from sort of a grassroots operation to now being a global exporter. You know, what's that journey like? Yeah, well, I don't think they ever planned that it would be like it is now, you know, initially selling those soaps out of the stable and, you know, honey and mustard and all those basic sort of things. And it just was a natural progression, really. Originally, Dad hit the road and took it to all the pharmacies and gift stores. And so, yeah, once it got into there and then it was just, you know, starting off with those basic products. But then, like, the first product they had made was made by a pharmacist that was just amazing, which was our gardener's hand cream. Then that just sort of took off. There wasn't any competition at that time either. No one else was really doing what they were doing, you know, making yeah. these products. So um, there was a huge demand for it. So then the only natural progression was to extend from doing the lavender. I think we went into doing rose products and adjust every year or every season you needed to bring out a new range. So it just was a natural progression. Fantastic. Were there any big sort of challenges in those that scale-up phase, you know, in terms of going from that family business to something a bit more corporate structure? What were the sort of key challenges there to get through? Oh, well, initially, you know, we did everything was pen and paper, you know. All our invoices were written down. A lot of it was in Dad's head. Actually, most of it was in Jerry's head. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had to get into using a computer. That was all new at the time. So, and for him to accept that too, then that made things a lot easier. That was a bit of a challenge actually doing that just because it was all new, you know, it was working out even just how to pack things, you know, to get from our place to to the store without it all being damaged or... Yeah, broken apart. Yeah, and finding decent suppliers for bottles and jars and, and labels and what have you. I mean, all of that was a challenge. And keeping up with the growth of the brand as well. Um, Juliet mentioned every season or every couple of years they'd bring out new ranges. And of course, Judy and then Juliet as well coming up with the new products and the design 
and the development of the products and how they were going to look. And because everything was hand finished and handcrafted, I remember when I first started and everything was finished with a bow and it was just so time consuming. When you literally mean finished with a bow, you mean like tied up with a little piece of... Yes. Oh. Tied up with either a little piece of string <laughs> or a ribbon. Um, and oh. that was pretty much every product just about had something hand finished like that. You had Judy watching you. Yes. <laughs> Making sure they all looked exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Meticulous. I think that's why it did so well too. She had a real eye for detail. So you didn't put on a crooked label or a ribbon not tied correctly, you would be demoted. <laughs> <laughs> Even as the daughter, you would be uh, you'd be told off with you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd be told off, yeah. <laughs> but um, another challenge would have been um, finding a good workable space. So obviously Juliet mentioned initially was in the wool shed and all the production was done there. But then we sort of outgrew that space and Judy and Jerry sold the homestead. And so we moved into a factory in Bulls. And then it's probably coming even more evident now that we've really outgrown that, hence building this new factory. Well, it's got a big wooden ball in it or something now. That's probably why you've outgrown it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so finding that space. So the new factory that we're building is twice the size of our current one. So that should hopefully see us through for the next 30 years. It's amazing. And now you're in a few different international markets now. I see across Asia, in Europe. You've also tried China and the US. This is a global business now that you're running or try to run from bulls, that's quite impressive. Do you have to travel a lot? Do you get out and about? Is every market different? Tell us a little bit about your international experience. Yeah, every market is different. Back when we were in the US and the UK, it was on a much smaller scale. So we were actually exporting to Kiwis that were living abroad and they knew and loved the product and they wanted to share it with with them. And so it was on a lot smaller scale. Jonathan, which is Judy and Jerry's son or Juliet's brother, he set up a scully shop in Berry, New South Wales, which is still going and still selling our products today. And they actually have just got an order in at the moment. So they're um, still loving scullies over there in Australia, which is a good support for us in terms of our online sales and through the website and stuff as well. But in terms of Europe and Asia and things like that, we've had a big increase lately and it is learning. It's a bit of trial and error, trying to learn what the different markets require in terms of the documentation and regulations, what demand of products. So every area you know, some people really like the hand creams and other people wanting shower and bath washes and, and things like that. And then across the destination as well, so in, in Asia and Taiwan and Singapore and things, it gets really hot. So our balms, our muscle balms, our sleep aids and things like that aren't exactly very well suited there because it gets too hot and they it's like liquid. Wow. Melts everywhere. Yeah, as opposed to a wax balm, it, it, yeah, it becomes a liquid. So those sorts of products aren't ideal for there. But we didn't know that at the time and we sent some samples oh. over. And so it was learning <laughs> trial and error of that. At least it was only sample, it wasn't a big order. And then we've had other, not so much issues, but other things pop up. So for example, China, all their body products and things like that, they require animal testing. And, and that's something that we don't approve of. That's something we don't want to do. And so we're not able to go into that market because that's just a line that we're not willing to cross. And in terms of the US, um, everything has to have FDA approval and the scale that would require, because I mean, we've got over 150 products now 
So we're just focusing on markets where consumers share our values and love our products, you know, and they're after the quality, they're after New Zealand made. And so we're yeah, just focusing on them at the moment. Nice one. Now you've led us beautifully through a couple of that, those comments here up into the one of the topics I want to discuss, which is kind of the values of New Zealand and how you show up in the market. And you mentioned, you know, your stand against animal testing, for example, and that's something that you hold as a core value. So tell us about the types of consumers or the types of people that you're selling to and what their values are and how do you and your brand appeal to that sensibility? I think, you know, we're a well-known New Zealand brand now. We're celebrating 30 years this year. And I think, well, I work in the store here, the Scully store we have in Bulls. I'm in here three days a week. And so I'm there talking to the customers and they come in and they just love that it's made in bulls. They love the story. Yeah, they just like to know that it's New Zealand made. I think they know we're genuine people making a genuinely good product. They know we're using good ingredients. We're, we're sourcing ethically and sustainable products, you know, where we can. So when there's ingredients that we have to import, we're making sure that we're getting it from sustainable sources. We're trying really hard to be more sustainable and and lower that sort of footprint for us. It's changing all the time about sustainability and recycling and, and things like that. But we're trying to move with that and trying to change with that and um, incorporate that into any new product design moving forward. And it's at the forefront of our mind when we're planning and, and doing that product development. So tell us, what I mean, what do you learn about international consumers and their thoughts about sustainability? We here in New Zealand maybe don't realise how fast, you know, the, the perceptions globally are changing. And this is something that you must get some feedback from your international markets on. Yeah, I think even more so, Europe's probably our biggest ones that have come back and they want all the documentation, they want all the information and it has to be readily available to the customer because when they are selling online or when they're selling into store, the customer needs to be able to see all that information either on the packaging or read it on the screen, drop down menu, whatever, but that information has to be readily available. So consumers now, they're wanting to see that it's as natural as can be, basically. They're wanting the high-quality ingredients, they're wanting recyclable packaging or refillable options, you know, little waste and things like that. And that's come, that's driven by the consumers as opposed to the wholesalers and things. But I think overseas is a bigger push. Um, New Zealand is slowly catching up and we are becoming more aware of that and we are making those changes or those consumers are asking for that in New Zealand now as well. Interesting. And do you use this, you know, just this, the brand of New Zealand, how does that sort of play into the international markets? Do they perceive us as having those sort of credentials in the sustainability space? I think they do. I think they see New Zealand as what's well, always been portrayed to them as clean, green and natural. And so they see us as a New Zealand brand that we would share those same values. And, and I think that's why they're sort of gravitated towards us because we have those same values as what has been portrayed about New Zealand. That's great. And now I know you use the fern mark, so you, you fly the, the fern, as we say. Tell us about that. Why, why is that important to you or how does that play out in your international branding? Yeah, I was going to say, as more of an exporter, I think it is probably more important, um, but it helps us build that trust and promotes that our products are New Zealand made and that we've got that extra check of approval from the government and it lets consumers know and gives consumers confidence that our products are authentic 
pick. They meet all the criteria. I think someone worded it to us earlier. It's a badge of confidence for, for those importers and as well as the consumers. So That's fantastic. It's been really good to have as, yeah, as we reach out to those international markets. And the support from Firm Mark too, you know, providing us access with resources and, and supporting our brand story because our story is such a big part of us and our brand is our story. So it's been really great. Fantastic. And people love a family story, you know, a family brand. By the way, I didn't it didn't go past me that Judy and, and Jerry and Julia and Jonathan, there's clearly a bit of a J fetish going on here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Poor Becky, don't start oh. on that one. Gary <laughs> with a G. Gary with a G. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, but, but that whole story of provenance and as you say, thirty-year-old business now from a regional town in New Zealand, proudly exporting incredible goods and service goods and, and products around the world. I mean, it's just a wonderful story. Where do you think the future is going to take you? Where does the where's the business heading? I think it's got a great future, and. Um, Judy and Jerry sold the business five years ago to Wendy and her family. We've known Wendy for, gosh, 20 years. So it was Wendy that was helping us to export the product to China and, um, yeah, became quite good friends. And Wendy was actually meant to be selling the business and ended up buying it herself. So... um, (laughs) (laughs) So good. I bought the company. I bought the company, yeah. She could see huge potential in it. And um, I'm really looking forward to see where that she's going to take it. They've already picked up on the working with the website and, yeah, exporting. They've got a lot more people in place to help with this. So I'm, yeah, really excited. Fantastic. Final question for each of you. And I was going to say, what's your favourite of your products? But I think that's the wrong question to ask. What I'll instead say is, it's my wife's birthday coming up. What would you suggest? <laughs> That I get my wife out of your incredible product range. Would that be the new range, Sarah, that we've just released? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's hard to say without no, without knowing what. Is she a gardener, or does she like to have nice nails? Or yeah, you know? she likes a bit of gardening. Definitely, our, our gardener's hand cream, you know, has always been a bestseller. It was one of our original products, and you know, you can't really fault it. You can get a little gardener's gift pack, which is awesome. But then we have just brought out a new range, which is called Laced Pear. And that has basically sold out in the launch and we're waiting wow. new product now. That has had a you know a big response from New Zealand and, and the consumers out there. So that's been awesome and, and the support very welcome. The other thing we brought out was the new, you know, talking about being sustainable, was the new shampoo bars. Yes. So um, they're going really well too. What's the story there? What's the sustainability angle around shampoo? Because shampoo just goes off your head and down the drain. What's the, what's the point of that? Yeah, but no, no, no plastic bottles. It's like a oh. little bar that comes in a paper box. It's like a bar of soap. Bar of soap for your head. Oh. Yes, yeah. And then we've got little uh, bamboo boxes that they can sit in in the shower. So the likes of my husband use the whole shampoo bar as soap. So yeah, <laughs> make sure you have it stashed away and something else. But does he now come out of the out of the bathroom smelling like lavender? He has no hair. <laughs> yeah, we're getting a bit too personal now. I think we're going to have to pull this to We're going to stop that right now. Exactly right. Look, thank you both very much. I look forward to popping in and seeing you and meeting next time I pass through Bulls and seeing uh, the incredible town and, and being thank very you. proud of the work that you're doing. So thank you for flying the fern. Thank you so much. Cheers. 
Thank you so much for listening. This podcast series is all about highlighting the amazing work New Zealand companies are doing in a variety of sectors and spaces. If you like this episode, there's plenty more great stories from Flying the Firm podcast that you can listen to. Just go ahead and check them out where you found this one. We're also highlighting the Fernmark license program, which we talked about during the episode. The Fernmark is our national symbol and a country of origin mark that helps Kiwi businesses promote trust, authenticity and credibility by leveraging the good reputation that New Zealand has overseas. To find out more or to apply to be part of the program, head to our website, fernmark.nzstory.gov.nz. And lastly, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps others find us. Haere for now. 